This is Jane Smith reporting for WASP News. We report so you don't have to decide. Now, we're live outside of Sovereign Studios, where a protest has been taking place. Uh, sir, sir, what is going on here? We're going to put an end to his godless hedonism. He's corrupting the entire planet. Uh, you must be talking about the golden stallion of the tech world, Brian Sovereign. That's right. That sex fiend of an anarchist has crossed the line. We're going to rip his triple black clothing and then him to shreds. But Brian Sovereign believes in nonviolence. We don't care. He wants to end government and wants to pervert science and technology to do it. Brian Sovereign has to be stopped. This just in. Brian Sovereign is coming out of the studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Golden Stallion's here with you. We got to break right into a story here. We'll get into the random access later. Fuck it. I am so pissed fucking off right now. This is nonsense. You know, I get called. You can't imagine how often I get called an alarmist. Oh, I a fear monger for a lot of the things that I say. But you know what? Most of the time, it ends up becoming a goddamn reality, and I'm sick of it becoming a reality. And you want to know what I'm talking about? Armed drones. Right here in the colonies in the United States of America. Woo! The land of the free. Oh, yeah. I'm feeling really free when I've got armed drones looking over me. And of all places, North fucking Dakota. What the hell do we need armed drones in North fucking Dakota for? What are, are, are the, uh, the the people that fell out of the oil boom? Are they going on strike? Has it turned into a mad minor situation? What the hell's going on in there that you need drones with, yes, less than lethal, as the uh, the bill states, less than lethal armaments upon it? You know why I don't believe in any kind of incrementalism, because I think it's a waste of time, I know for a fact that people in power certainly enjoy a good bout of incrementalism. They like to wear people down. And so, non-lethal armaments, when does that turn into lethal armaments? Well, all it takes is just the right situation where the, a cop comes out and says, Oh, that drone over my shoulder just saved my life. Three cheers for armed drones. It's only a matter of time before it gets to that. But before, oh, I'm already heated up. Before we go on, I'd like to read you the story. And it's story, it's a story that has a little bit of length to it. So I want to get right into it. We can do all the other shit later. I got plenty to talk about in this episode. Oh, boy, do I have a lot to talk about. 
But let's do this from the Daily Beast. First state legalizes taser drones for cops. Thanks to a lobbyist. Well, let's read into this. It's a lot more nuanced than thanks to a lobbyist, though. Certainly, I think this story will highlight what I talk about all the time, that there's fucking corporatism, baby. Stop supporting these big fucking companies. Stop supporting the bullshit that goes on in in Silicon Valley and wherever else developing this crap. And this story is pretty fresh. August 26, 2015. Today's date is the 29th. As this comes out. And of course, Sovereign Tech comes out every Saturday. Let's read it. It is now legal for law enforcement in North Dakota to fly drones armed with everything from tasers to tear gas. Thanks to a last minute push by a pro-police lobbyist with all all the concern over the militarization of police in the past year, no one noticed that the state became the first in the union to allow police to equip drones with quote unquote, less than lethal weapons. House Bill 1328 wasn't drafted that way, but then a lobbyist representing law enforcement tight with a booming drone industry got his hands on it. The bill's stated intent was to require police to obtain a search warrant from a judge in order to use a drone in search for criminal evidence. In fact, the original draft of Representative uh, Rick Decker's bill or Rick Becker's bill would have banned all weapons on police drones. Then Bruce Burkett of the North Dakota Peace Officers Association was allowed by the state house to com- uh, state house committee to amend HB 1328 and limit the prohibition only to lethal weapons, quote unquote, less than lethal weapons like rubber bullets, pepper spray, tear gas, sound cannons and tasers are therefore permitted on police drones. I love the I love the name of this organization stallion breaking in here. The North Dakota Peace Officers Association. Boy, this news speak is getting awfully thick. It has been for a while. But yes, we're all about peace and we're going to use non-lethal weapons on a drone. Oh, I'll save it. I'll save it. Let's read on. Becker, the bill's Republican sponsor, said he had to live with it. Quote, this is one I'm not in full agreement with. I wish it was any weapon. End quote. He said at a hearing in March, quote, in my opinion, there should be a nice red line. Drones should not be weaponized, period, end quote. Even, quote, less than lethal, uh, quote unquote, less than lethal weapons can kill, though. At least 39 people have been killed by police tasers in 2015 so far, according to The Guardian. Beanbags, rubber bullets and flying tear gas canisters have also maimed, if not killed, in the U.S. and abroad. Stallion breaking in, of course, all you have to do is look at perhaps the Occupy movement in areas like Oakland and others and discover very quickly just how lethal some of these quote-unquote non-lethal weapons can be. Reading on, Becker said he worried about police firing and on criminal suspects remotely, not unlike U.S. Air Force Force pilots who bombed the so-called Islamic State, widely known as ISIS, from more than five thousand miles away quote when you're not on the ground and you're making decisions you're sort of separate and quote becker said in march quote unquote depersonalized 
Drones have been in use for decades by the military, but their high prices have prevented police departments from obtaining them until recently. Money's no problem for the Grand Forks County Sheriff's Department, though. A California manufacturer loaned them two drones. Isn't that wonderful, folks? Oh, no. Oh, please, please, don't worry. These, these hunter killers from Terminator, they might as well be. We'll put those on loan to you. Because we just want to get this shit out in the field. We want to be able to take those slaves down. That being you and I. From whatever distance away, we want to make sure that, oh, the police in North Dakota, because so many terrible goddamn things are happening in North Dakota. We want to make sure that all that gets that gets pacified and all. Oh, my God. There is no God. But reading on. Hey, boy. And if you didn't believe it now. <laughs> Grand Forks County Sheriff Bob Ross, Bob Rost, not Bob Ross. That's there's a T at the end. I'm sure Bob Ross would try and paint onto these drones little trees and hopefully they disappear. But Bob, they ain't going to disappear. Bob Rost said his department's drones are only equipped with cameras and he doesn't think he should need a warrant to go snooping. Oh, that's nice, Bob. I'm glad you don't think you should need a a warrant because, hey, if there's nothing to hide, what are you worried about? You, Bob Ross, I'm worried about you. I'm worried about your drones with fucking, quote unquote, non-lethal weapons. Quote, it was a bad bill to start with. End quote. Ross told the Daily Beast, quote, we just thought the whole thing was ridiculous. End quote. Ross said he needs to use drones for surveillance in order to obtain a warrant in the first place. Quote, if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. End quote. Be- uh, Becker remembered opponents like Rost saying. Yet the sheriff, there it is. <laughs> Yet the sheriff's department is hiding a full accounting of how many drone missions they've flown since uh, since 2012. Records, requ- records requests by the Daily Beast were initially denied by the sheriff because they could, quote, cost a fortune, end quote, and were only handed over after an appeal to the state's attorney general's office. Hold on, Stallion breaking in. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I thought the whole thing about going to a paperless society and everything being networked and everything's in the goddamn cloud and Google's making it all work for you and all this shit meant that you could more easily get access to the stuff and it was less expensive to be able to show off records and all this crap because you could just type it into a search and blah, 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 blah. And the way there, there you go. What happened to that promise of the cloud bullshit reading on the sheriff and lobbyists assured lawmakers that drones would only be used in non-criminal situations like the search for a missing person or to photograph an accident scene. What they didn't mention was that to the, was the 2011 arrest of Rodney Brosart, a cattle thief who was, Oh my God, a cattle thief. He stole that cow. We need armed drones. A cattle thief who was caught by a Department of Homeland Security drone. When, man, DHS, DHS is catching cattle thieves. That terrorist. Are you kidding? We need DHS with drones to stop a cattle thief. reading on when a few cows wandered onto his land oh i think there's more than a few cows it looks like north dakota's full of fucking cows people just mooing because they let this shit go without storming the goddamn state building when a few cows wandered onto his land 
Brossart refused to take them back to their owner, his neighbor. The neighbor called the police, and the situation turned into a 16-hour standoff. Fearful of entering his ranch without knowing where Brossart was, police asked Homeland Security to redirect a Predator drone searching the border with Canada. Because, because those, those Canadians are just coming in in droves. We better run some Predator drones up and down that fucking border. The drone meant to find drug smugglers instead found Brossart on his own property and he was arrested. A 16 hour standoff over some fucking chattel. Law enforcement was the only one who disapproved of the legislation. Wait a minute. (laughs) A representative from the North Dakota Department of Commerce the vice president of an economic development group, the founder of a drone company, and the director of the University of North Dakota's drone major program all testified against the bill. Why would a bunch of business types want to stop something like warrants for drones? Quote, I think when you're trying to stimulate an industry in your state, you don't want things that would potentially have a chilling effect on drone manufacturers, said Al Frazier, a Grand Forks Sheriff's deputy who pilots the drones. Organizations like the Association for Unmanned Vehicle Systems, International Track Legislation, uh, or Yeah. Association for Unmanned Vehicle Systems International track legislation, especially any laws that appear to limit drone, quote unquote, development, according to Keith Lund of the Grand Forks Regional Economic Development Corporation, quote, requiring a search warrant for surveillance is restricting development, asked Representative Gary Power, uh, a Republican at a hearing, quote, it's really all about the commercial development, which is where all of this is heading, Lund replied. If a law is somehow limiting commercial law enforcement development. That is a negative in terms of companies looking and investing in opportunities in the state of North Dakota, end quote, Lund said. In other words, limit civil liberties so Big Drone can spread its wings. I'm telling you, Stallion here, I I say it all the fucking time. You can't just look at government. This sword swings both ways. It's corporatism. They're both working towards the same aims. And I mean, these people don't give a shit what happens in their future because they they think they're, you know, they're part of the team of they, them, those. Look, as long as we can make a buck, I don't care if someday you put AK-47s on those drones. I, or, you know, if I put an M60, whatever the case may be, you load that baby up with grenade launchers. Fuck those tear gas cans. Let's go all the way. I don't care as long as I make a buck. Reading on, drones in North Dakota are a profitable enterprise in a state hit hard by the oil bust. We we had this, you know, this economic bust and damn, we got to come up with something new. Let's see. Hey, remember those James Cameron films? Let's start building Terminators. (laughs) Reading on, companies that market machines for agricultural and commercial use have been popping up in industrial parks on the outskirts of Grand Forks for the better part of the last three years. The university, one of the city's largest employers, even offers a four-year degree in drones. The Air Force has partnered with the private sector <laughs> to create a drone research and development park, too. In January, on a ribbon of a video screen, on a ribbon of video screen that wraps its way around UND's Ralph Engelston Arena, the bubble nose of an RQ-4 Global Hawk, the Predator drone, more popularly known as, glided silently past the backdrop of a clear blue sky. That image, an advertisement for Northrop Grumman, appeared during the second intermission of a sold-out hockey game. Quote, this is the first year 
they've advertised here. End quote, a friend said to me. Now, Stallion here, I want to break in on this. This is something people really get fucking confused. Okay. A lot of people would say, you know, no one can buy these things. No one can buy stuff from, you know, the average person can't buy shit from Northrop Grumman like, or, you know, whatever, Lockheed. You take your pick of one of these big companies, especially that deal in this kind of business, like drones and whatever. Because, look, Grumman's not offering uh, quadcopters. And I can get into that argument in a minute because there's people saying, well, you know, we need to really differentiate because when you call it drones, people are terrified of quadcopters and quadcopters are just fun things with cameras on them that we use at people's weddings, blah, blah, blah. blah, Okay, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about here. Okay, these companies, you say to yourself, it's like, why why are they advertising on here? The reason that they're that they advertise, the reason that companies like Lockheed, Grumman and all the rest, the reason they advertise is they are buying a businesses, a television networks, a radio shows, silence. They are buying them off saying, shut up about what our drones are doing, or we're going to take away those advertising dollars. I'm telling you, that's how it goes. There's no other logical sense for what they do. It's all just to buy silence about shit that goes on. Like if something goes wrong with an airplane, uh, you know, like, like Delta and all this, it's like, look, do really do air do airlines need to advertise does delta need to ever no because wherever you want to go you're going to fly on the only airline that actually takes you where you want to go there's no there's really not much in the way of competition here okay you know i mean you know say you need to go to i, I don't know uh, uh oklahoma or something look if JetBlue doesn't go there you're not going to ride JetBlue. and if delta does you know american airlines doesn't you're going to fly delta there's no need for it the whole point is to buy off silence about bullshit that goes on in various companies as best as is possible sometimes you can't help it with a you know when there's a twitter incident or something like that that's the point of a lot so much advertising today on major networks and elsewhere. It's to buy silence, not to get customers. They don't need it to do that. So you have companies buying silence about drone incidents. Fortunately, I guess the daily beast isn't taking those advertising dollars. Not to say they're perfect reading on perhaps Brossart's arrest was included in the 401 drone operations. The FAA says were undertaken by the grand forks County Sheriff's department in the past three years, but that number doesn't square with the 21 missions flown by the agency in the same time period, all detailed in documents obtained by the daily beast through open records requests. In addition to the flawed comparison to helicopters and the milk toast descriptions of drone use, police continually cited federal aviation administration rules that require law enforcement organizations to, uh, authorized to operate drones to notify the FAA when the devices are deployed as a reason why HB 1328 was unnecessary. This also appears to be an incomplete analysis. According to documents obtained by Muckrock, the FAA notes 401 drone quote unquote operations performed by the Grand Forks County Sheriff's Department from 2012 to September 2014, while Rost and Frazier maintained just 21 missions have taken place. Those 401 operations noted by the FAA have resulted in 80.5 hours of flights, a number that can't be independently verified because a lawyer representing the sheriff's department did not include duration of flights for the 21 missions detailed in response to an open records request from the Daily Beast. HB 1328 requires police to retain data, including fight flight duration for five years after it is collected. Roston Frazier did not reply to multiple requests for comment regarding the, the discrepancy between the FAA's numbers and their own and the FAA. FAA hasn't provided an explanation for how it defines, quote unquote, operations. So once again, 
we have this, uh, you know, this trifecta of ugliness, this trifecta of who's working against you, just ignoring you, just ignoring the requests of journalism, which is supposed to be right. The fifth estate, right? Well, that's a bunch of bullshit. No doubt. Maybe it's the only estate left, but the problem is that there's no other estates. What the hell can the fifth estate work with? Reading on. Similar to those who have supported the NSA's massive data collection program, Rust and others repeatedly fell back to an argument that was cited on untold times over the last two years as Becker fought for his bill. Quote, we don't make a practice of snooping on people, end quote, Rust said recently. However, Rust's statement was followed by an admission that the sheriff expect drones to be used in criminal investigations in the near future. Rost argued against the bill on the basis that police would in good faith obtain warrants if they decided to use drones for surveillance and that judges be allowed, quote unquote, to do their job. Quote, I understand that judges regulate whether you would have to get a warrant, but there's nothing currently in the law setting perimeters for UAS. That's unmanned aircraft systems. Uh, end quote. A North Dakota lawmaker told Ross at a February hearing, quote, what's wrong with having something in law? End quote. Verbally diminishing the power of drones and what they would be used for in the bill's hearings was the second of a two-part strategy from law enforcement. The first was a public relations push that included months worth of op-eds in the state's two largest newspaper, the Grand Forks Herald and the Fargo Forum. Usually penned by Frazier, the UND aviation professor who also pilots two of the drones used by the Grand Forks uh, County Sheriff's Department. Boy, that's a hell of a job there, Frazier. You get to teach it at school about this stuff, and then you get to whatever part of the day you get to fly the damn things. Ooh, I'm in a video game. Ha <laughs> ha. So much for people's uh, human liberties. Ha <laughs> ha mm. The public face of police drones has at times been different from comments made outside the media. Quote, to read Representative Becker's bill, you would think that these would be highly effective surveillance tools that could be put up over locations for persistent surveillance and violates people's constitutional rights, Frazier told the Herald in January. And the reality is none of that is correct. End quote. Compare that, though, to Frazier's remarks at a 2011 UAS conference attended by many members of law enforcement. Sarah Nelson, a journalist and Bismarck native who uh, has studied police use of drones, was also there. She testified in March, uh, a March hearing on HB 1328 and told the committee about Frazier's comments at the 2011 conference, which stand in stark contrast to his printed words, quote, Frazier spoke openly about the potential use of unmanned systems in North Dakota at the conference, Nelson said. The list included the deployment of a hovering drone that, quote, was not audible or visible to people below in order to collect real-time intelligence video, end quote. Woo! You got caught, Mr. Frazier. You got caught in a bit of a lie because you can't wait and you're going to fly him your goddamn self. You can't wait to have a drone that no one knows is there, but it's watching. Big brother, baby. <laughs> Reading on. Grand Forks is probably the only place in the country where, you're fi where you'll find advertisements for Predator drones. Again, that's to silence people. The operators of which are trained and stationed at the nearby Air Force Base. There, past the airport, a few miles outside the western edge of the city, the landscape gives way to the prairie that covers the vast middle of North Dakota. But before civilization is left behind on a westward route, the city, its politicians, the base, and the powerful interests of the drone program at the University of North Dakota are adding a futuristic appendage, Grand Sky. Built as a UAS research and development facility, Grand Sky will combine all the benefits of private entrepreneurship and government capital. Oh, because there's some benefits there. Tenants, 
There, we'll have access to some of the Air Force Base's facilities, and drone companies are clamoring to get their spots. On its website, Grand Sky is billed as an opportunity to, quote, create history where the future is wide open, end quote. It is certainly that. The resident of Grand, Fo- of Grand Forks, uh, like those throughout the state who have taken a laissez-faire attitude to oil companies reaping millions from North Dakota ground, appear concerned primarily with the economic benefits of drone technology. Becker, the Republican state legislator who sponsored HB 1328, said heartburn over individual privacy, constitutional rights, and on a larger scale, the ethics of killing people half a world away by wielding a joystick doesn't seem to exist for many in the state. Motherfuckers. Part of the reason for this, Frazier argued, is a compliance committee keeps police use of drones in check. Oh, a compliance committee. Please, Daily Beast, do tell the Golden Stallion, the man of tomorrow, who is on this compliance committee. Reading on, a body with no legal authority. The committee tracks and reviews how police use their drones and discusses possibility privacy, possible privacy concerns. Frazier and others in law enforcement, as well as representatives from the private uh, private sector and those from UND, cited the committee watchdog role as yet another reason why HB 1328 was unnecessary. But the group isn't exactly comprised of a diverse cross-section of political thought. Of the committee's 18 members, six are from UND, which has a vested interest in promoting drone use. Three are members of local government, including the city planner and an assistant state attorney. And the rest are either current or former members of law enforcement and emergency services. Oh, so we have this oversight committee that's loaded with people that just love the drones. Well, of course, please let me relax. Frazier said that the sheriff's department had nothing to do with the makeup of the group, which was created by charter. The committee is not a quote-unquote rubber stamp, he added. Oh, sure, bullshit. And besides, there simply hasn't been much public outcry over police use of drones, or really any interest in tracking how police use them. That's a fucking problem. Reading on, drones are overwhelmingly seen as a good thing in North Dakota, Dakota, which is perhaps why few noticed when HB 1328 passed with a clause allowing them to be armed with non-lethal weapons. Oh, oh, as the poem says, right? All watched over by machines of loving grace. It's okay. When we see that drone in the sky... It's not here to hurt us. It's here to protect us. Oh, thank you, government. Thank you, wonderful corporations out of California. Thank you for protecting my little baby with that drone overhead, armed to the teeth. Thank you for those predator drones that found that cattle thief, that person that stole a cow. That actually walked onto his land. Boy, there's a property question for you. What happens when the king's deer goes onto your property? Thank you so much. I feel so much safer. I can now go on about my day doing something that I make sure is completely socially acceptable. Thank you. God bless Northrop Grumman. God bless the United States Air Force. Let's finish up the story. I agree completely with the idea, quote, I agree completely with the idea that there should be public oversight of a public asset, but to a great degree disagree with the idea that the public is overly concerned with it, Fraser said. Quote, I think the media is making a big deal out of something that isn't a big deal, end quote. No, motherfucker, I'm going to make a big deal because this is a big deal. Reading on. 
It may be that the sheriff's use of drones is completely innocuous, that there is some kind of technical verbiage related mix up that would explain the discrepancy between the FAA's numbers and those provided by Frazier and Rost. It also may be that the pair had nothing to do with the non-lethal exception ex- included in HB 1328, which they say is the case. Both said they pulled out of any negotiation over the bill's language, thinking it was, quote unquote, doom, Rost said. It wasn't, thanks to Becker, who succeeded in creating a check against law enforcement with the warrant requirement, but failed to prevent police from arming drones that are increasingly filling North Dakota skies. In attempting to convince legislatures, uh, legislators to pass HB 1328, Nelson, the journalist and Bismarck native, said it wasn't distrust of police that prompted the bill to be crafted, but a democratic duty to maintain trust in government. Quote, when grappling with how to regulate powerful technologies, it's a common practice of both law enforcement and the larger intelligence community to say that technologies are being used on very bad people in very extreme cases. This is an effective strategy because the public sees themselves as vastly different from those bad people. She said in March, quote, in response to this argument, I would urge the committee to remember that liberty is eroded at the fringes, end quote. And that is the truth, Ruth. It's always this incremental destruction of human liberties. That's how it works. It's how tyrants work. That's not the way peaceful people, I think, should work. But that is how tyrants work. I read this story a couple days ago. And I just, I mean, uh, the lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy sent it to me. She knew exactly how I would react. And I said, this is probably the most terrifying story I've read since, you know, maybe the, the Snowden revelations or since the FBI revealed that they will turn on cameras based upon where you log into your email without turning on the camera light, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, th- this, this is positively nuts. I'm in awe that this isn't getting talked about more that people are just ignoring it. Seriously, do you think that that they, them, those, that the North Dakota government and then the U.S. government is just going to stop at putting tasers on these fucking things? Now, shut up. Don't fucking tell me I'm being alarmist. Don't fucking tell me that I'm doing scare tactics or whatever. The bullshit, man. This is real. It's a matter of time. And it's so funny because I remember... Representatives of the U.S. government said we will never allow anything remotely like armaments onto drones. They will always be just for surveillance. They will always just have cameras. That's all they need on them. And then what happens? This. And there's no there's no outcry. Where, where's where's President Obama to say, holy shit, people's liberties are getting. Tra-. I mean, this is scary. What's going on here? We need to put a stop to these fucking, you know, even though it's, quote unquote, less than lethal. And of course, the numbers exist and the proof medical records exist to show that these things can be lethal. And again, if you're compassionate, you don't take chances. You don't say, well, all right, uh, uh, you know, it, somebody might get hurt. So but but it, it, the numbers game is OK. So so go ahead and, and arm it up. Now, if you're if you're actually a compassionate, empathetic person, you say, OK, if there's a chance, we don't fucking do it. These people aren't compassionate. These people don't care about you. They just want to make sure you stay in line. And now they don't even need humans on the ground to do it. Now they can use their drones. There's other companies. We've talked, we've highlighted this on Sovereign Tech before. There's companies th- throughout California 
that are using not drones, but actual like robots. I mean, they think they look like Daleks from Doctor Who. You know, they're not saying exterminate yet. Protecting various businesses. How long until the police are replaced by these things? And they're controlled from miles away. You know, I can tell you, as a veteran of the U.S. Army, look, I've seen what happens when people, when, when you remove the human from, from the, I mean, and there's a lot of proof, there's, you know, a lot of uh, scientific proof around this. I mean, when you have people controlling drones that engage other humans, you do have this detachment. Okay, and it gets worse because especially when it gets into lethal matters, you could be killing people. You could kill an entire family. You can kill an entire household full of people with a drone. And then from thousands of miles away or even hundreds or even tens at five o'clock, you take off the headset, you let go of the joystick and you go home and you have dinner with your family. It is so fucked up. How quickly killing people, harming people without feeling anything that's going on around you and then going home to your to your loving uh, household becomes the norm. And I think it creates I mean, that, that just that's such a recipe for desensitization to the human condition and to life on Earth itself. A desensitization to ethics, a desensitization to right and wrong. You lose that key thing that makes us human. And I would argue that that key thing, one of the key things that makes us human, because even rats fucking have it, is empathy. And we are able to foster that empathy more than any other creature on the planet. But then we are also able, of all ironies, to not foster it, to stuff it down, shove it away. You can't lose that, folks. Because that's where all tyranny comes from. This is crazy. I wouldn't blame you for not for wanting to leave the U.S. knowing that this is going on. But let me tell you something. The only thing worse, I think, and maybe this is changing now due to this, but as, I, as I've always said, the only thing worse than the U.S. domestic policy is the U.S.'s foreign policy because overseas when those drones are coming and you won't see them because they're thousands of miles away bombing you there's no warrants there's nothing there, there, there's no arguments it's just like oh well, i mean the people in the united states are just like well that that's them but now it's getting 10 times worse now there's nowhere that is safe i mean yes they haven't put on the lethal armaments yet just give it some fucking time and you know i'm right you know that it's just a matter of time before they start arming these babies up with lethal whatever. Technically, a lot of these things that they're using are already lethal. We know. And the people in North Dakota apparently do nothing. Because, hey, North of Grumman, they just supported our football game. woo Yeah, let's go to the sports. Sega challenges you with the ultimate video game, the Sega Master System. Hang on, hang on! 
with more accurate control, more detailed graphics, more levels of play. Awesome! The Sega Master System comes with power base, two control pads, light phaser, and two great video games. Hang on, and Safari Hunt. Gotcha! And with other games like Ramble, Outrun, and Choplifter, the excitement never stops. The Sega Master System. The challenge will always be there. Thank you for the exclusive, Mr. Sovereign. Please, Jane. It'll be our pleasure. Tea? Oh, thank you. I must say, for an anarchist, you're not what I expected. I'll assume that's a compliment. It is. Uh, is it true what they say about you? That you're a godless hedonist, bent on ending governments and conservative values? All true. But, but... What about supporting the troops? Marriage, white picket fences, and apple pie? <laughs> Come on, Jane. I love pie. As far as everything else, it's all just here to keep you from being happy. Wouldn't you rather be traveling the world, fucking every day, not worrying about what other people think? Uh, oh, my, Mr. Sovereign. Come to think of it, I never felt like I fit into the system very well. I always wondered what it's like to be with an anarchist. Well, here's your chance to roll the roulette wheel and find out. Tech Roulette. It is time for Tech Roulette. Holy shit, I gotta calm down. <laughs> you know, I I think people are saying, well, what the hell do we do about this? Well, clearly political action means nothing because whatever, uh, you know, whatever, whoever, whatever form of corporatism or the military industrial complex, uh, whatever they want to get past or get by with, they will get by with and get past. Okay, so political action is nonsense. The only real solution here is there needs to be like a massive development of anti-drone technologies. Massive development. How about we create non-lethal, uh, uh, you know, weapons against drones? I think that's a necessity. And I think the people that start, you know, frankly, I'm not the first person to say this. In fact, I remember a very strange con- uh, 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 talking head, I believe, on Fox was his name, Crowdhammer. I remember he had said, and I think maybe even Judge Andrew Napolitano, a uh, far more respectable character, uh, you know, had said that the first person that takes down a drone in this country will be a hero. Well. You take their words how you want to take them. But anyway, I am fully support. I mean, you know, some kind of, you know, electronic jamming of some kind, whatever. Get these things on the fucking ground and keep them there. Don't hurt anybody. All right, let's get into rant, the random access. I want to do that. We'll do this here. I know we're shaking up the show a little bit here, but I, that story had to get talked about. It's so goddamn important that that gets talked about and that shit gets nipped in the bud somehow. I don't know if that means that, I mean, I didn't get to get into the argument, you know, about quadcopters versus drones. Uh, You know, drones, look, drones can be very helpful things. They can get into areas that humans, it's just not, you know, efficient or even maybe feasible for, say, medical supplies to get rescue operations to happen, all this sort of thing. There's wonderful things that drones can do. Okay, but this obsession with cameras, our surveillance society, I think, is certainly bolstering. A lot of else what's going on, turning it into the norm. And that needs to start getting fucking questioned. You know, I saw somebody post real quick. I saw somebody post on Facebook the other day. They posted, uh, they, they said they, they were sharing some pictures, which I get it. I understand that. I share pictures. 
they were sharing some pictures and they said, these are the pictures I'm willing to share because they respect my friend's privacy. That they did the best job. And I, I just, I saw it. I was floored. I was like, oh my God, somebody, either somebody listens to the show or, <laughs> you know, to Sovertech or what? Because we talked about that. Like, you know, even taking pictures of your kids and posting them. It's like, what, you know, did the kid consent to his, I mean, yes, no one owns the photons that hit their face, but did the person, you know, would the kid have requested, hey mom, could you please not share that picture of me throwing up on my bib? You know, have you thought about that? And I just thought that was phenomenal to see that. So social change can occur. And that's where all of this really happens, empowered by various technologies at times. So anyway, random access, let's do it. And then I've got another doozy of a story. Oh, I've got a doozy. And it has to do with another state testing out some new technologies. This time it'll be Iowa. We'll get there. All right. Uh, let's see. Firefox po- uh, pocket concerns. Uh, I thought this was this was something. Actually, you know, I'm going to talk about the, uh, the, the pocket concerns during uh because I had someone bit message me uh, about it. And it was an interesting point. I'll talk about that during important messages. Uh, but what Firefox is doing, which, of course, is the bare minimum uh, browser that I recommend using. I actually recommend, you know, getting away from Firefox. We'll talk about that more later or at least starting to and just keeping, you know, being aware and keeping an eye on this stuff. Uh, but they are allowing for Chrome add on uh, compatibility in the future. So Firefox is essentially closing their add on store. And they are going towards where, you know, with minimal adjustment to where, you know, the Chrome uh, store is going to be where you can get, you know, all of your um, all of your add ons from. Now, I don't know if they're going to do still have a Firefox store. There's still a lot of a lot of the, the questions on this or, are, are, you know, a lot of the answers are kind of up in the air. I, I don't I don't know uh, the answers to that. But I think it's interesting because now pretty much and I imagine Safari is really the only browser that's still in tow here because Microsoft Edge come in October, which is their new browser, will have Chrome, uh, you know, Chrome extension ca- uh, compatibility and Firefox will have it very soon here. In fact, in the dev channel saying it's already available. Opera uses it. Uh, so really the one that that's holding out is Safari and Safari is based off of WebKit. So I can't see why they, they can't just allow for it, you know, in general. But uh, but that may happen. There's some other interesting things, too. I, I've seen some news recently. Uh, I'll save this for a future Sovereign Tech uh, that makes me think that, boy, uh, the relationship between Apple and Microsoft is getting awfully tight again and that they may want to force Silicon Valley to become the two party system, as it were. Uh, that it was for a good 10, 15 years, uh, not long ago. But anyway, that that's a whole other story. Uh, and it has to do with browsers, but I'll save that for another time. Uh, let's see. Kaspersky uh, virus. Yeah. OK, so Kaspersky was in the news a couple weeks ago, and the claim was shouldn't be anything new uh, to Sovereign Tech listeners because we've talked about it before. I told you the story that Norton started by creating the viruses themselves. Told you this years ago. Okay, now, this is a bit of a conspiracy theory. There hasn't been a whole lot of proof that Norton did that. I mean, there's some proof, but, but you know, that was the theory is that that's how that all started. And in fact, if you watch the show Halt and Catch Fire, which is a really cool 80s computer drama show, kind of, uh, I, I like it a lot. In that, they started highlighting this too, which is interesting considering that, you know, actually just a week or two after the uh, the, finale, the season, second season finale of that show, um, a lot of what was going on in that show, suddenly you find out Kaspersky was actually doing it. Of course, Kaspersky is claiming that that didn't really happen, but the evidence seems to rack up against them. Now, like I said last week on Sovereign Tech, I recommend, particularly with Windows 10 and even the new versions of OS 10, uh, etc., and of course with Linux, 
you don't need it uh, or BSD. Um, I was saying just stop, stop running antivirus software because the rate at which people are, you know, that they're updating these, these OSs, um, the stuff that Microsoft has built into windows 10. Now, if you're still using windows seven, maybe that's a different story, but if you're using windows 10 or whatever else, uh, I don't recommend running antivirus software. It's, it's super, it's superfluous. I mean, there's, there's just no, I don't, I don't see the point uh, to doing it. If anything, it may do more harm than good when you consider that Kaspersky is like inventing the viruses themselves. And so if you defund these companies by not buying their services anymore, well, that's, that's one way to, to kind of solve that issue. Uh, YouTube gaming came out. Not much to say there. Uh, I mean, they're taking on Twitch. You know, this is Google versus Amazon. That's what this is about because Amazon bought out Twitch. And so Google freaked the fuck out and said, holy shit, we, we got to up our timeline. So now they have YouTube gaming out there, uh, which really, you know, YouTube gaming is ironic because it's it's pushing a more of a live streaming service for YouTube, which everybody in tech journalism is saying why Google had all the ability even years ago to do live streaming that like Periscope and Meerkat are becoming famous for very popular for why weren't they on top of that? Uh, yeah. Why weren't they on top of that? Really? There, there's, there's not, there's not a very good answer, <laughs> you know, and YouTube gaming is kind of the start of that. And, and of course, some people are saying, well, you know, people are just going to end doing live streaming that has nothing to do with gaming. Well, sure. That's true. In fact, gaming live streams really have very little to do with the games. 99% of the time. Anyway, usually it's a chance to, you know, look at a quote unquote hot girl, uh, as the colloquialism goes, um, or, you know, for some degree of comedy, it actually has very little to do with, uh, with gaming. So whatever, uh, money penny, which we talked about this money penny was Facebook's, the code name for Facebook's, uh, uh, you know, virtual assistant, kind of like Cortana and, uh, and Siri and, you know, all, all of those, uh, uh, and of course, Google now, even though some people are saying Google now is kind of going by the wayside because Larry Page doesn't give a shit anymore now that he's running umbrella corporation. I mean, uh, uh, alphabet, sorry. <laughs> It's an, it is an umbrella corporation, <laughs> but, woo, uh, you know, now that he's running alphabet, it seems like Google now is going by the wayside, but Facebook, Facebook M is what it's called. This is the virtual assistant. And I believe it runs through messenger and this allows for, and it's not, everybody has access to it yet. I think it's only in San Francisco right now of all things, of course, cause there's a reality distortion field. There's a reality bubble surrounding, uh, San Francisco that just doesn't affect the rest of the world. But for some reason it seems to affect the rest of the world because that's where the bulk of the money is. Um, but Facebook M is it's one that allows for, you can ask it anything. And this is the interesting, here's, here's the center with Facebook M is that when you ask it, uh, a question and it doesn't like its database doesn't know it goes to a human person to try and find out. I don't know how long this takes. There hasn't been a whole lot of numbers about that, uh, but that's an interesting move on Facebook's part. They're certainly going all the way They're They're more or less saying, no, whatever question you have, we are going to give you some kind of answer. And I'm sure also, because one of the popular things with these virtual assistants is like, tell me a joke, sing me a song, blah, 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 you know, do all that stuff. And if you have a human there, you can really, you know, come up with some pretty wild stuff. And so a lot of what I think people enjoy using virtual assistants for, which has very little to do with assisting someone, uh, you know, a human could certainly, you know, up that game. So Facebook M, uh, I wouldn't touch it because I recommend, you know, as best as possible, you know, outside of, I guess, maybe if you have to do marketing or something like that, as best as possible, you know, stay away from Facebook's, uh, you know, ecosystem uh, as much as you can. So uh, anyway, uh, the next thing, here's some interesting news, because uh, I got I really do want to get into uh, tech roulette for this week. Amazon Underground. This is interesting. I did a write up about Amazon Underground at uh, darkandroid.info at the, on the Dark Android blog uh, this week. And this what this is, is it's an app that replaces 
Uh, it replaces the Amazon shopping app on Android, and this is only for Android. And it replaces the Amazon App Store because it was a popular thing. People would sideload. You couldn't download the stuff in the Play Store because the Play Store, the Google Play Store rules say that you have to uh, or that you can't offer apps within an app, things like that. Um, and so, you know, the App Store was popular. People would download these, the separate APK. They'd have to turn on third party developers, you know, in the settings on their phone or tablet. And then they download that. And the App Store offered a free app a day. And so a lot of people use it just to get the free app of the day. And you'd get some pretty nice apps like Office apps and all this stuff, it was, you know, totally for free when normally they cost 10 bucks or something or you get really, you know, hot games and all this. Uh, and sometimes Amazon would even offer like $100 worth of apps. Uh, that, that you could download completely for free. It was, it was an interesting, you know, deal. And I mean, Amazon, I don't think they were getting people, it wasn't moving for them. It wasn't getting people into, into their ecosystem like they hoped. And I think that was the plan. Uh, but now they've replaced both of those apps or you can still get the Amazon shopping app in the play store, but the app store, you know, all that's been replaced by Amazon underground and Amazon underground. And this is interesting. I could do a whole segment on this alone. Um, but you can read the write up if you want to, at, uh, at, on the dark Android blog at darkandroid.info. And, you know, with Amazon Underground, they are offering premium apps, including apps that have, that are by design free, but have in-app purchases. And you can play it all for free. So all those games that you spend hundreds of dollars on or whatever, you could just play completely for free. And Amazon themselves will pay the developers. I think it's a, it's pennies on every five minutes that they pay the developers and there's still, you know, how is this all going to get funded? How is this? Well, like I said, in the article, first off, there's no uh, banning of advertising of any kind within, within the uh, Amazon underground. And also the long game. And I think even the, the, when you look at the, at Amazon underground, when you look into it, kind of the attitude behind it, you see the long game of Amazon, which is they need to attract the, the up and coming generation, the new workforce, you know, coming up in the next decade or less. Okay. They want to get kids with this. And so if they can get them into their underground where, you know, into their uh, ecosystem to where, okay, well, all the apps I use are on underground and all the games I play. I mean, and believe me, parents are going to love this because parents are going to be like, oh my God, they don't have to run up my fucking credit card anymore. Hell yes. I'll get them in uh, Kindle HDX and they can use the Amazon underground app or hell yes. Oh, they got a Nexus seven. I'll put the Amazon underground app on there. I'll do whatever it takes to figure out how that works. And the attitude, even for teenagers, the attitude of the app is, uh, you know, really appeals to it because it's like a, it's like a spray painted graffiti logo that Amazon's using and they're calling it underground. I remember in the nineties, there was the PlayStation underground. That was kind of like the, uh, uh, the fan club for Sony's PlayStation, you know, and this is when Nintendo was still the dominant power. I'm, I'm telling you, because it worked on me when I was a teenager. Okay, that whole PlayStation Underground thing made sure that Nintendo got dethroned. Or it was a big part of that anyway. And so I think this Amazon Underground is the same thing where it's just got that rebellious attitude, you know, that teenagers generally love in our, in our conventional society. And, uh, and it's there. And so I think that that's, that's very attractive. And the fact that you, you know, you can just play these games and the tons of, you know, really premium apps totally for free. And then you have the shopping experience as well of getting physical goods on Amazon and all of this, uh, Amazon underground, I think is a, is a winner, not for us. Okay. And I, I mean, the only way it's a winner for, you know, people that are interested in dApps, decentralization, anonymity, privacy, and security, like why I do the dark Android project in the first place. Uh, the only reason that it's, it's important for us is that it shows it's interesting because this is the other thing too, is that when you go to the, uh, the underground webpage to download the APK, so you can put it on your Android device, when you go there, it says, look, the, the play store just won't let us do this. Like they go with this whole rebellious attitude. You know, they go with this, look, we're, this app is so badass 
that Google won't even let you download it. You have to go to our website and all this. It, I mean, it's an incredible marketing scheme. I'm not saying it's a good one. I'm saying it's a winner. It's incredible. I'm not saying it's good. So you, you have, you know, you've got that. And that shows what I talk about on Dark Android and what I've talked about on Sovereign Tech many times is that we need to get away from these app repositories and app stores. We should be downloading these things separately, just like you do on your, you know, on a like on a Windows machine uh, where where, you know, you just go to the website and you download the, the app and install it. And there you go. And everything has independence, uh, you know, independence certificates and all this business. You just you get away from it really highlights the tyranny. And Amazon is and we've already talked about this long ago. OK, Amazon is certainly tyrannical with their app store as well. OK, but it reckon it, it really highlights the tyranny of app stores. The fact that they are, you know, they're, it's a tyranny of the default. It's a tyranny of a bunch of other things. It's keeping you from downloading the things you want and from companies doing really incredible things because this Amazon underground, again, I don't like it, but I recognize in a conventional sense, just, you know, what, what a winner this is, you know, what a great idea this is in the conventional sense. I'm not saying I like it. Okay. So that's, that's very interesting. That's the only way it's a win for, you know, people that listen to this show and, and yeah, people that are interested in having actual control of their device, which is uh, what this is, you know, really uh, all about. And also, you know, just a little bit of other, uh, you know, uh, news with Amazon, uh, there was a huge layoff in the department that makes the fire phone. So it's a pretty good bet that Amazon is getting completely away from. And I think this highlights also part of the Amazon underground strategy. Uh, they just want to kind of like what Microsoft's doing. They just want to take over whatever device you're using now. And you know, they'll, they'll just, they'll skin it into, into an Amazon, uh, device and, and they'll try again, uh, later perhaps, but right now the fire phone is really dead. Uh, but it, you know, don't think, I mean, Again, Amazon expects to make money years down the road, even if they 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 run at a loss for the next decade. Their theory is, in my opinion, that if they can hook the next generation, you know, into the Amazon ecosystem, then they'll be sailing free for, you know, decades once once those people grow up and, you know, get into the workforce, you know, and start making some kind of money or however they end up getting uh, money in any way. I mean, and keep in mind, you know, like the Amazon Echo, like that's a boon for them. They're, they're making they're doing gangbusters on that and people love it. Uh, I think it's a terrifying device. You know, I mean, it's just a microphone box for the NSA, in my opinion. Uh, but whatever, people love it. So uh, anyway, I, I think I think that that's that's it for now. I was going to talk about Tumblr, too, but I need to get into this lead story or into this uh, tech roulette story. So let's do it. And I will do my best to not get too riled up when I read this. But uh, this is from the Des Moines Register. Iowa starts testing Mobile driver's license app. Woo! Talking about apps, let's talk about them. Iowa drivers are a step closer to being able to have their driver's license uh, on their smartphones as state employees start testing a mobile version state-issued licenses. Employees of the Iowa Department of Transportation have started testing the mobile driver's license app, or MDL, as part of a new pilot program, MorphoTrust USA announced Wednesday. MorphoTrust is the company providing the software for the mobile app. Yay, corporatism. The state transportation department first said in December it wanted to bring a digital version of license uh, to I of licenses to Iowans. MorphoTrust said the pilot test makes the DOT employees the first in the nation to use the company's mobile driver's license software. And I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure all those state employees are just so goddamn proud. Woo! Look at us. I'm so advanced. I've got my gold iPhone six 
and I've got my driver's license on it. I've got my slave papers right here. <laughs> I'm so cool. The app is not ready for public use, though, and uh, Stallion here, hopefully it never will be. Uh, reading on, quote, although we're not ready to release the MDL for customer use, the lessons learned in this pilot will demonstrate the use case for our MDL application to be offered in the future as an option to all citizens across the state. And it better stay a fucking option uh, and it may, <laughs> and may help guide other states who want to launch similar digital identity programs. End quote, Iowa DOT director Paul Trombino said in a statement, the pilot test involves hundreds of state employees who will test the mobile app in various settings. Pilot testing is open-ended. There is no set date for when the MDL app will be released to the public. Quote, we are not prepared to offer a date on when the mobile driver's license will be released to the public yet. As we continue to learn from the pilot and validate uh, the mobile driver license from usability perspectives, we'll have a better sense of when it will be released, end quote, said Jenny Openshaw, Morpho Trust Vice President of State and Local, in an emailed statement. The pilot period is also testing the efficiency of updating DOT records through the app, such as making changes to addresses, uh, organ donor status and license restrictions. Here's how the app would work, according to the to a MorphoTrust video uh, provided to the register. After downloading the app to their smartphones, Iowans would receive an email with instructions and a PIN number. Users then enter their email and PIN numbers into the app and confirm their identity by taking a quote-unquote selfie with their phone's camera. The app matches the selfie with the on-record photo on a user's license. Swiping up in the app shows the front of the license. Swiping down shows the back. For example, an Iowan's 21st birthday, or on an Iowan's 21st birthday, the app should automatically switch the license from the vertical under 21 version to the horizontal over 21 look. And that's in Iowa, like the, the licenses, you know, it's very easy to identify for persons under 21 because of, you know, switches vertical and horizontal. Okay. So that's it. That that's, that's all there is, you know, to the story, thankfully a very short story, but there's a whole lot here. First off, I mean, we can talk about the issues here and then I'll talk about the solutions because, oh yes, the golden stallion doesn't run off the Nirvana fallacy. The golden stallion actually has real applicable solutions. So with that, you know, how first off, the, the, the big issue here is that when someone, when an officer or a Border Patrol person or whatever the case may be, wants to see your license. You have to, you'll probably have to because uh, and in fact, Android changed the way this worked. There used to be on Android a way you could show emergency information without unlocking the phone. And, you know, you could put your identity and an address, you know, whatever you want to put in there. So that way your phone could get returned and someone didn't need to know. It's like, oh, whose phone is this? Well, you have I think it's called ICE was uh, was one of the apps that allowed for this on the lock screen, uh, you know, to where you could do that. And it'd be interesting if I was speaking in a state, you know, if I loved the state, which I don't, uh, I'm an anarchist. Woo uh, if I love the state, I would say, okay, so I would like this to just be a button that I could push without having to unlock my phone because I would not want to have to unlock my phone and then show it to the police officer, or perhaps even the police officer would have to touch the phone, would have to grab the phone and scan it, you know, scan perhaps a barcode on there or something like that. Just to have like a, I mean, perhaps the, the state would suddenly get into two factor to make sure that what they're seeing was not just some kind of jpg you know that was that was put on the screen and so but this is the thing is that you know android you know no nothing allows for this anymore to where you could just bring this up over the lock screen uh the way android android uh i think 
I don't know if it started with lollipop, but certainly with marshmallow, I know it's true that 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 ability is gone. Um, so you have that issue. There's a huge privacy issue there. It's just it's far quicker for, you know, and, and I know I know that the Supreme Court of the colonies, I mean, of the United States of America had said that, look, you can't just do a warrantless search of, uh, you know, of, of a person's mobile device of their phone or whatever equates to their phone. Well, you know, everybody thought, boy, that's really forward thinking uh, of them. But guess what? Here, here's where the thinking takes two steps back. And maybe here's here's where, the, you know, the the way the law works is that you can still sneak in. And this is how you can sneak in, because you're going to have to open up an app to when you when you get pulled over to show your, you know, to show your driver's license or wherever you happen to be at a club. Who, who the fuck knows? OK, this is a huge security issue right here. This is that that alone is reason to not do this. The next point is that how easy is it? And this is ironic to me. How easy is it to really to do a fake, you know, to have an app that just generates this shit? I imagine it must be very easy to do that. So I'm in awe at how this works. And maybe that's why they're doing a pilot program. That's probably the one thing they need to get figured out. Okay. But now here's, here's the big issues for me. Of course, something I recommend on Sovereign Tech all the time is to stop relying on your goddamn mobile device, okay? Because all it is is a block of sensors that's tracking you wherever you go, sending, not just tracking you, but it's sending all kinds of data, you know, data that, that, that people 20 years ago would never want anyone else to know about. And it's just sending, you know, to, to whoever, whoever needs it, whatever alphabet soup organization, be that alphabet themselves. Uh, oops, sorry. Uh, I mean, come on, it's in their fucking name, Google. Uh, uh, the NSA, whoever, whatever, you know, it's always going out to them, but now, oh, well, if it, you know, let's say this stops being an option right now, this is optional. Let's say it stops being an option. Then, uh, you know, you'll be required to constantly have that block of sensors with you. That's crazy. Then you don't have a choice. I mean, how is this going to tether people to where boy, you better keep your goddamn phone charged. You know, because you wouldn't want to piss off the officer, I'm sure. Because, like, I think some people say that, well, I'll just drain the battery. I say, oh, sorry, officer, my phone's dead. I can't show you my license. They'll have a battery, I'm sure. And it's going to piss them off. It's going to piss off that officer, you know, to to have to bring, you know, bring up a little portable battery up to your device and then wait for it to turn on. That's going to be an ugly fucking situation for people when that goes down. So you're going to be attached to this device way more than you ever thought you would. Uh, and I don't like that. I, th- I think that that's an absolute fucking recipe for uh, for disaster. So what do you do about this? Well, of course, in my opinion, I don't see the need for IDs at all. They are slave papers and mass, even in a free society. I don't see the point. I don't see the point. I've talked about this. You can listen back to episodes. There's episodes of tyranny of identity uh, and all of this shit. Um, and, you know, and it's interesting, too. Because I'm sure somebody would want, you know, the resiliency of putting things like this on the blockchain. In fact, I didn't even get into it with our earlier story about armed drones. Armed drones is one of the theoretical use cases talked about for Ethereum in its early days. All this stuff gets to gets to be blockchain. That way, that way, you know, even if one system goes down, it can just access, you know, another part on the quote unquote peer to peer or the distributed network, whatever the case may be. Uh, so. that's scary as fuck. And people are just there. I mean, people are lining up. It's so funny because people are lining up. I talk about all the time. They're lining up to, uh, yes, how can I get my identity onto the blockchain? When personally, I thought the beauty of the blockchain, I thought the beauty of Bitcoin before Bitcoin XT, the beauty of that was, was that you could do things anonymously. There was no ID attached. Whatever. 
Do you enjoy handing over your your uh you know your papers? Papers, please. Do you ever enjoy really handing that over? Come on. Be honest with me. No, you fucking don't. And if you do it with a, with a point of pride, who, who do you think you are? No, look at me. I am this person. Ha ha ha. You must respect me. I have papers. Bullshit. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I don't think there's any. I mean, yes, you, you know, you have an ID. If you exist within a geographic area for a while or, you know, you build up some degree of, uh, you know, local reputation or even more so, you know, you go and you talk at places, people end up knowing who you are. The people that matter, they know who the fuck you are. And what do we do about all the criminals? We got to be able to track the criminals. Well, once again, I, you know, the very notion of criminals, criminals, the very notion of, uh, you know, law today, the foundation of law today was based upon, I say this over and over again, I'm going to say it again, is, you know, Blackstone's theorem, right? Which is better 10 guilty people go free than one innocent person suffer. Let them go. If they're doing something so goddamn heinous, believe me, you'll probably put a stop to them. If you have a centralized database of identification and whatever else, that just empowers the you know uh, the individual criminalist. Where if no one has that sort of thing, I mean, the individual criminal loses a whole lot of power because he doesn't have one place, he doesn't have one stop shop to go. In fact, you know, there was another story this week about uh, an abortion clinic, I believe, or you know, it was. It, a medical facility of some kind that was performing abortions. And uh, this is in the U S I believe. And a guy was able to, thanks to, you know, really like open records that were all cloud-based was able to find out where abortions were happening. This was a, uh, you know, very conservative religious person. And he started to terrorize. And in fact, I believe even killed people because he it was so easy thanks to id and the centralization of records and believe me blockchains are can, is still a centralized point of data thanks to access to to all of that he was able to id these people and he was able to go on his bit of a spree you don't need this I know there's people who say, well, the cloud is the most secure thing you can do. Bullshit. It's the way for, you know, people that have really malicious intent to enact that malicious intent, uh, you know, with have, without having really to do a whole lot of work. This is a way this app is, you know, really, I mean, I think it's an amalgamation of tracking technologies and slave papers to the masters that being the governments of the world, you know, because I'm sure this won't just be done in the United States. In fact, I imagine Europe's probably already on, t are on top of this. They're, they're ready to test. They're ready to go. And it even makes you wonder like all this, this big push, uh, you know, for wireless technologies and for all these companies to make really inexpensive cell phones to, uh, you know, to get out to the rest of the world. We've got to get everybody with a cell phone. Why? Because in the future, that's where their slave papers will be. That's how we're going to keep track of them. That's how we're going to track their criminal records. That's how we're going to track all this nonsense. You know, we are going to define you by that little block of fucking sensors known as a goddamn smartphone. So once again, this is something to completely avoid to, you know, speak out against in any way that you can. Don't go running for politics. That's bullshit. But I'm just saying, have the conversation, open it up saying, don't you think this is a little creepy? Don't I mean, aren't there a bunch of, you know, inherent problems with doing this? Because there are. And the solution is don't do it.
The solution is, is get away from, you know, you know, what I call the tyranny of, of, of IDs. And especially, I mean, if your email address is going to be attached, you know, if your identity is going to be attached to an email address, I talk about this often. Look, I'm a different person than when I had my first email address. You can't have these hard ID systems. They don't work because people change. People grow. You know, they do. They, they, I'm a different person than I was 10 years ago. Fuck's sake, I was in the army. Are you kidding me? No one could imagine that I was ever in the army today, but I was. It's because now I'm a completely different person. You don't need these hard IDs. You don't need, you don't, you just don't need it. Anyway, I'll be back with more. This is Sovereign Tech. Time now for 90 Seconds on Sex with Dr. Paul. Over the years, I've collected close to 10,000 sex surveys. What's been surprising is how few women report having orgasms during intercourse from thrusting alone. Most need either their own fingers or a partner's fingers stimulating their clitoris while he's thrusting, or they need to grind their clitoris into a partner's pubic bone in order to have an orgasm during intercourse. But this doesn't mean that you should automatically try to give your partner's clitoris an extra workout. What it does mean is that you and your partner may be way ahead if you asked her about this. Find out what she prefers. Maybe she's wanted to stimulate her clitoris during intercourse, but she's worried about what you'd think. Or maybe she'd like to experiment with positions where she can more easily grind her clitoris into your pubic bone. You might ask how deeply and how fast she likes you to thrust. The ridge around the head of your penis might feel extra good on a certain part of her vagina. Or it could be she doesn't want you to change a thing. My point is, good sex rarely happens magically like it does in porn. Partners need to talk to each other and experiment with what feels good and works best. Also, please keep in mind that there are plenty of women who simply don't have orgasms during intercourse, but who still enjoy having intercourse tremendously with a partner who they're really into. Thank you for listening. For more, visit 90secondsonsex.com. Oh, oh, that was... I'm speechless. Oh, if I'm leaving a reporter speechless, I must be doing things right. Natalia? What's going on? Agent Sovereign. Read this. Then meet me at the Central HQ. I have to go. What was that? And why would someone give you something on paper these days? Because it's something that is too important to risk sending digitally. As for what the message says, it looks like I've been doing things wrong. Important Messages. It is time for important messages where you can send emails or messages to me. Uh, in fact, you can do that completely anonymously because if you go to zog.ninja or sovereigntech.com, you'll see a, a, a tab at the top of the page that says contact us. And there's a form there. You don't even have to give me your email address. You don't have to give me anything because I respect people's liberties of anonymity, privacy, etc., and their own desire for it. Okay, Uh, so you don't have to tell me anything. And bit message, boy, I mean, you can encrypt the shit, whatever, you know, all all the it's all there. Okay, if you want to get in touch with me and I don't need to know who the hell you are unless you want to tell me. And also, I keep people's identities, uh, you know, even if they do tell me, unless they specifically say they want to get referenced, they want their name called out. uh, I, you know, I don't say who it was. I just go with a pronoun and I and I move on. 
So anyway, we got a few uh, uh, great questions here, very important questions. Some of them are uh, a bit of critiques of me. They're very kind ones. You, you know, it's not no one was being an ass or anything, uh, but there are some critiques of me here and, and some of my operations. So I, you know, I want to talk about this and I want to get into it. So uh, let's talk about these things. First off, I want to read one. Uh, this came from a, a great person on BitMessage, and it's, we all know to stay away from Firefox, something I've talked about recently. We were hinting on a little bit earlier, but in case we needed another reason, uh, I haven't verified this myself, but the article, and I put this article that this person is referencing uh, in the show notes, and it comes from the Free Software Foundation, who are people that personally I, I trust, um, even though I don't know their names. It's amazing. I know some of them, but anyway, <laughs> uh, I haven't verified this myself, but the article mentions that Pockets Processes runs as root root and the exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Now pocket of course is the offline, you know, it saves uh, this is something that got built in recently. I think with version 39, it got built into Firefox and there's a problem because this is not pocket in and of itself is not really uh, open source. It's uh, you know, it has proprietary aspects to it and it got built in as an, it installs by default. This is very controversial. It was one of the things uh, you know, that I've, I've talked about other people, Corey Doctorow, others have talked about it. Uh, you know, this, this is, this is, kind of concerning, you know, because Firefox's whole point is that it's very open source. And so I've talked about, well, you might want to start considering looking into IceCat uh, or, you know, or others. There's uh, uh, Cubzilla and, and, you know, thing, things like that. If you want a, a really a privacy based, you know, or use the Tor browser, just something, you know, if you want a browser that's privacy based, I'm not saying you have to do it for everything for your commerce, perhaps, you know, you would use Azure, whatever. Uh, I wouldn't install Chrome on any machine, uh, but there you go. Anyway, so it runs as root. Allegedly, Pocket has fixed these vulnerabilities. This doesn't let Mozilla off the hook, though, as far as I'm concerned. They chose to push unwanted corporate software onto unsuspecting users and said software was and said software was worse than shit. Fuck them. Uh, yeah, I, I totally get where you're coming from, uh, uh, Messenger. <laughs> I really, really do. Uh, this is the concern is that, you know, now Fire, this is an area where Firefox doesn't have control. Pocket had to solve this. Firefox, you know, Mozilla themselves could not. Okay, uh, and and so great that they they closed up those vulnerabilities. I'm glad they were on top of it. But if Pocket wasn't installed in the first place, this wouldn't have been an issue. I mean, and to have root access to your device, oh hell, that's a terrible. I, I mean, that that's as bad as it gets. Almost as bad as it gets. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so thanks for the heads up on that. Uh, yeah, we, we're definitely you know aware of that point putting things you know closed source any kind of closed source compatibility. Uh, or uh, uh, support by, you know, by Firefox is, is pretty, you know, or by Mozilla themselves. Support meaning that from the get-go as a, as a default, and we talk about the tyranny of the default a lot of times, uh, you know, you can remove Pocket. That's true. You can remove, you can disable Pocket from, you know, in, in Firefox. And I recommend doing that if you are a Firefox user. I get it. Uh, but, oh, boy. Anyway, <laughs> uh, let's, let's go on to the next one. And this is one, uh, this is actually a question I got a little while back and I said, I'd look into it. The, the emailer said, Hey, could you check out this podcast? You know, listen to this thing. And, and, you know, what do you think? Like, cause you talk about Bluetooth a lot and I do, uh, you know, we talk about Greenstone, the, the capabilities for blue, which is by open garden, which allows for, it's a mesh networking solution, a very, very clever one. In my opinion, I actually, I like it a lot. Uh, or you talk about fire chat, which could become, we talked about this on sovereign tech recently, very exciting news. It could be become its own uh, uh, MVNO, you know, it could become a phone system that requires, 
you know, that, that potentially requires no, no cell towers of any kind. And it could, and it would be totally free all using Bluetooth, you know, low energy Bluetooth 4OLE or whatever, you know, low energy Bluetooth, very exciting. And so I'm positive about a lot what a lot of people are doing with uh, with Bluetooth. It's one of the uh, you know RFs that <laughs> uh, that actually excite me because sometimes uh, some of them don't. And uh, so the question was, you know, I've heard that there was uh, you know that there are health concerns uh, with Bluetooth. So and I'll talk a little bit about this and, and I'll give you my take. Uh, I mean, with, with, you know. Keep in mind that Bluetooth, you know, as far as health concerns, because I mean, people talk about this like as wireless, you know, frying brain cells and all this stuff. And some people are saying, is Bluetooth doing that? Well, first thing, you know, to keep in mind is that Bluetooth, there's multiple versions of Bluetooth. Like there's different classes, like there's class one Bluetooth, which is, you know, uh, decently possible, powerful. We're talking like 100 milliwatts. And that could like blanket a football stadium. Okay, uh, you know, it has really, really good range. But the bulk of what people use, including your smartphone, as I understand it, and a lot of your little devices, like if you're using um, those trackers, I mean, uh, uh, fitness uh, devices um, that, uh, you know, Fitbits and whatever else they use Bluetooth to connect to your device, uh, those only do like one milliwatt. I mean, and that's that those are class three. And that's what the bulk of when you think Bluetooth devices, usually you're thinking of just a class three device. And I mean, that, that it's such a minuscule uh, amount of energy going on. Now, there's been research. There's been some scientific research on the matter that, oh, yeah, this stuff is, you know, frying brain cells and all this business. Um, but the research was it was on it was being done on cell phones and smartphones. And so, you you know, cell phones and smartphones don't just as much as I wish they would don't just operate on uh, on Bluetooth. There's a lot of different radio frequencies going on. And so the test was I don't consider those tests to be very conclusive because Bluetooth is just getting wrapped in with them as to where if it was Bluetooth alone, I think the results for that test uh, would end up being, you know, being a very, very different thing. Um, and, you know, so there's. There's science that goes the other direction that, you know, that kind of talks about, uh, you know, pulses of, uh, you know, of our, you know, pulses of energy, uh, whatever uh, affecting you. You know, it's not about it's it's more about the wavelengths, you know, and, and, and all this. I mean, there, there's a whole you end up with, look, school seems to be out on this. But science, as I understand it, stands in the fact that Bluetooth class three Bluetooth devices, uh, that there is no health risk there. Now, depending on the device, there's certainly some privacy risks, okay, and some anonymity risks uh, and security risks. I, I I totally believe that, but I don't I don't see, to my own opinion, I don't see that that class three Bluetooth devices uh, are an issue. And like I said, most devices, most Bluetooth, when you see it, are is generally uh, class three. So it's it's a lot better off. This is one of those cases where, like, you know, and I've talked about this like with the open wireless movement. We did a whole, you know show on that, which is another thing that I think is very exciting, very actionable solution, uh, you know, to dealing with surveillance society and all that. And a lot of these ugly corporations, um, you know, that as well, you know, there, there's different, different uh, technologies that we could go to that if you have these concerns about people being constantly bombarded, uh, you know, with, with some kind of, you know, EMF. <laughs> okay. Some kind of, uh, yeah, it, that, that are better than what's out there, you know, uh, even though we recently found out because some people were saying all oh, these cell towers are killing the bees and all that stuff. Last week we talked about it. Uh, that is not true. The bee population is actually at its highest in the past 20 years. Uh, so this is a huge area for argument. Uh, as it stands, I personally have no issue. The science stands OK for me that that using class three Bluetooth devices is not a problem. Uh, but, you know, take it 
take it how you want it. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, it's up to you, uh, on that. But in my opinion, I think they're, I think they're largely fine, particularly when, you know, by comparison, uh, to, you know, even Wi-Fi routers or, you know, more particularly, you know, 4G and 3G, uh, you know, cell signals and all that, uh, if I were concerned about those things. So I think my, my book Bluetooth is safe. Um, class three anyway, uh, I'll, I'll speak for that. So, uh, another one, oh boy, uh, we got a lot here. Okay. I was going to talk about the Turing phone. I'll save that for next week because we're, we're running short on time, um, because there are a couple that I, I really want to get to here. Okay. Let's, uh, let's read it. So hello, Dr. Sovereign. Thank you so much for continuing to come out with new creative and intriguing content. I was hoping you'd be able to reconcile some elements of your character as they manifest themselves in your show, your specials and the universe in which your games exist. Uh, that's all one line. You are an anarchist and a vocal one at that. Your views are very close to mine and I relate to most everything you say and do. You warn of those who rule over us and show a healthy amount of scorn and disrespect to those who disrespect us. As they say, right on, brother. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but then there's audio of the ancients. I get what you're trying to do, bringing ancient texts to life and providing context for the hyperchronous universe. So I'll st stallion here. I'll, I'll butt in really quickly. Uh, yeah. Audio of the ancients. It's something I released uh, the first part of last week. Totally free. This 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 bit. And it was the dream stealer of Tutmos the fourth. Okay. And you can, it's in the sovereign tech feed. You can find it there. You can go to audio, the ancients.xyz and you can find it there. Um, I have a next installment coming out. This will be a full album. It's actually the Epic of Gilgamesh and, uh, this, you know, and it's, it's music, it's music and ancient texts, you know, public domain, ancient texts all wrapped into, you know, together to create kind of an audio journey of sorts. I, I wouldn't call it an audio book, uh, but it is, it was, you know, it is something that I, I find, you know, I, I find interesting and I'll, I'll talk more about that, but, but just so you know what it is, you can check it out. Audio, the ancients X, Y, Z. Um, I get what you're trying to do, bringing ancient texts to life and providing context for the hyperchronous universe. But these stories that you tell and the characters within them are nothing but rulers over man, women, and child. Sure. A lot of water goes under the bridge in 3,500 years, but that doesn't wash away the nature of the beast. Tutmos the fourth may not have, uh, taxed his population as much as modern day tyrants, but he used force and coercion to extract tithes. He may not have the same public works program, but coerced innocents to build monuments. He may not have ruled over a police state who assume innocent until proven guilty, uh, but he suppressed Nubian uh, uprisings and conquered, or maybe just laid down order in Syria. I get the curiosity and intrigue these texts bring with them, but there's curiosity and intrigue in discovering and reading descriptions of Bilderberg, Bilderberg group go, uh, goings on uh, or how American covert operated uh, co covert operatives play behind the scenes to manage or engender geopolitical tensions. Audio of the ancients is very well done. Don't get me wrong. Thank you. Uh, from the music to the dramatic reading style and execution, it's almost too good. It deifies Menkemperer. It makes me forget the lives he must have touched in a negative way, but that through, uh, be that through theft, coercion, or death. It makes me think that for 10 years, around 1400 BCE, there was really just one man that was important in the world, and to heck with all those pesky individuals trying to live their lives peacefully. I dare not even listen to your next installment. Why? How can anyone brush aside Gilgamesh's despotic behavior towards the innocence of Uruk, the, the countless rapes, enslavements, etc.? I fear I will grow to like this terrible character through your interpretation of these texts. Can you take five minutes of your show to talk about what you see in this, why you're doing it uh, beyond your climax last week, and also which elements in Hypercronius draw on despicable characters like these? Uh, okay, yeah, you know, listener, 
I really appreciate the very, you know, that's a very heartfelt message email. And I, I, I really, really appreciate it. And I will definitely take the time uh, to talk about, you know, that. Uh, yes, these, pe- these are not good people. Uh, particularly when you get into the Epic of Gilgamesh. I mean, you have the, you know, the real use case of, uh, of, uh, not, not, uh, not Enki, but Enkidu, who is a wild man. In fact, he may not even be human, uh, but Enkidu gets, becomes civilized and he becomes friends with the king and, you know, kind of joins him in what may not be really heroic adventures, even though it's considered a heroic text. Um, I totally get that. You know, and it's like it's like patriotic readings of the Constitution, right? It's like you realize this is a paper for enslavement. <laughs> You're right. And how it fits in with the hypercronious universe. Uh, well, so I'm going to give something away, but I think it's important to tell you why this gives things away. Uh, you know, and it won't take too much away from the game Hypercronius 2, which if you didn't know, Hypercronius is uh, the first video game that I made. It's part of a larger universe that live novels and all this stuff. Okay, and then certainly these are kind of to to highlight some of that. Uh, Well, first off, the importance of bringing these things out is that I think some people would say, oh, they're too boring. I'm not going to read them. But these texts, these texts that that are real and that we know of and have been translated properly, uh, or at least we think properly, they show how, you know, how archaeology in many ways has straight up lied to us. Uh, There's a lot of cases of this, you know, be it for, you know, British archaeologists in the early 20th century, you know, doing plaster caster over uh, frescoes that show people having sex because, oh, we wouldn't want people to see that or hiding things in museums of like men fucking goats and all this stuff. Uh, you know, there is the, the absolute fact that people, you know, that that the archaeologists and whatever else uh, will try to, you know, uh, soften the sensibilities of the average person by not revealing the truth, uh, you know, of, of history. And I'm not, please, I'm not saying it's aliens. I hope people that listen to this show know, I don't believe fucking aliens have ever come to the planet earth. And I don't think there's many, uh, you know, sapient alien species in the universe anyway. Okay. This is all done by humans. So, but it is to highlight, you know, that actual, that history. Now, as far as how does it fit in with the hypercronious universe? Uh, honestly, like what happens, you know, with the Sphinx and all this stuff, all this stuff will get created. Even the Epic of Gilgamesh, all this stuff will be, you will find out are actually tragedies that come out of the fall of, you know, people because in Hypercronius, okay. Uh, you have the Kami K A M I that came to earth from Mars and they were very peaceful people. They're trying to get away from the Emoch dominion. Uh, you know, they were wanting to live an anarchist life and they come here to do that. But then their progeny, which is what you'll see unfold in the games. Their progeny end up going back to tyrannical things because the Emoch Dominion is still there. In fact, if you play Ninja Trek, you kind of find out about where where some of that comes to light. Okay, even though Ninja Trek is a standalone game, that's the second game I released under Zomi Offline Games. Uh, you you kind of find out a little bit more story or potential stories, you know, that could happen for all this. So that's where it fits in. You're going to find out that these are tragedies. That these people are not heroes. Uh, Enkidu maybe being the exception in the Epic of Gilgamesh, but even then Enkidu, you know, falls to, uh, to being friends with a tyrant. Um, so that, that's, that's how all that works. Uh, it's not meant to praise, uh, these people. I'm certainly not praising Tutmos the fourth because, you know, the whole point of that dream stealer is that, you know, he's trying to prove his, his, you know, Royal, uh, lineage and, and all this stuff. Uh, and some people will say that the whole dream was just an epileptic vision, like, like that he had epilepsy and it wasn't real at all. Uh, you know, and that he, you know, he ended up ordering the building of the Sphinx and all this stuff. Um, you know, I'm not making a hero out of that. In fact, I'm deconstructing the man to say that, 
No, he actually really didn't, you know, he didn't have a lineage. He was just lucky. And maybe one day he found the Sphinx. He didn't build it at all. He wasn't a great man. I mean, it just, it wasn't so, uh, but you do have to have the context of that to understand that he wasn't a great man. Uh, so I just, I want to, I want to make these, you know, because when with the Kami, the civilization, you know, what comes after that, they build all, you know, they create the religions and all this stuff, because that's one of the big mysteries for me is what exact, you know, how, one of the mysteries for me with, with ancient humans, you know, with the paleo, with paleolithic humans is I don't even know how they got to like the notion of animism. I don't know how, how, what logical leap for humans, you know, dwelling in caves and whatever else that survival was absolutely quintessential, quintessentially based on, uh, you know, a, a real attachment to reality. You wouldn't make it if you believed that there was something else going, you know, that there was some woo woo nonsense going on. You just, I, I just, I don't think that's possible. You had to be completely in touch with reality to make it on planet earth you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago. And so I don't know how that happened. And so this is one of my ways that I'm going to explain how it happened is that, you, you know, you have these descendants of the Kami and the Emak uh, that actually, you know, that, that, that create religion and all this stuff. So that, so I kind of gave a little bit away there, but whatever, if, if, if it soothes the mind, then, then there you have it. But I really understand where you're coming from. And I don't want people to confuse me as being supportive of this, you know, of that sort of thing. Uh, and that's why I'm happy to have everything be on one website, because then you can find out very quickly, this guy's an anarchist. You know, audio of the ancients that XYZ isn't on its own website to where people could get confused. Oh, this guy must believe this. This this, is not absolutely not, uh, you know, so that, that that's it. And it is intriguing, you know, to, to find out, to, to get in touch with history, because you find it like, especially with the Epic of Gilgamesh, you find out that, holy shit, you know, this text is, is a thousand years old, you know, thousands of years older or whatever, uh, particularly if you take the Akkadian uh, standard text, then uh, than the Bible. But it reads very similarly to what you read, you know, in the first seven chapters, what's going on here? How is this possible? Is that pan Babylonism that, uh, that I reference? Yeah, probably. So these, you know, to understand where all of these things, you know, to be able to deconstruct these fictions that we have government and religion, I think it's important to highlight these texts. Uh, and, but at the same time for what they are, I don't want them to be like a full exposition on my part to where I'm explaining what's going on and, and all of that. I just want it to be there as it is. And I want people to realize, you know, to hear it for themselves and realize, whoa, what the hell? And yes, there's pleasant music in the background, but that again, that's, that's not to, not to venerate, uh, any of this. So, uh, the next, the next one, and I can spend more time on this. Uh, the next question I want to get to, I'll spend more time on this if somebody really, really wants me to. Okay. But the question was, is that I talk often about everything needs to be open source, yada, yada, yada. Uh, you know, you shouldn't charge for things. You just do pay what you want, blah, 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 blah. Um, and yet why do my games, which we were just talking about Hypercronius and Ninja track, why do they, you know, why aren't they on an open source engine? How do you know that I'm not giving you some kind of spyware? Well, very simple. I recommend to people that, you know, if you're a gamer and there's nothing wrong with being a gamer, the gaming platform, if you want access to millions of games, the best gaming platform in the world is Windows. It, it's how it is. And running it in an emulator on a virtual machine is bullshit. No, that, that doesn't that doesn't gel, especially if you want to play like Mortal Kombat X or something. Right. OK. Uh, I always say just have a gaming machine. Do anything important somewhere else on a different computer. Okay. Completely separate machine. And so then you don't have to worry if there's spyware, there could be spy. I mean, there's games people have downloaded that had Bitcoin miners in them. 
Okay. Yeah. I'm using a game engine that is closed source that may change in the future as I become a better game developer. Okay. But right now just use it on a separate system. And as far as the pay aspects of it, I mean, with certainly with, uh, with the games, you know, to get them on the platforms that it's on. And in fact, actually I can announce that Hypercronius and Ninja track are going to be in some bundles, uh, through the month of September, which I'm really excited about. Uh, they charge like it, it's the nature of the economy in which I am looking to make a business out of steam does not allow for Not that it's on, not that my games are on steam yet, but it doesn't, does not allow for a donation model. Uh, there's very specific ways in which this get, you know, in which this works. And I want to get these games out there to bring up interesting ideas, to spread anarchism, all these kinds of things. I think it's, it's a very exciting prospect, uh, to do. Okay. And so until these platforms start supporting that a little bit more, uh, you know, I will play by their, you know, privatized rules of whatever kind. And that's the deal behind that. So, you know, maybe, maybe RPG makers engine is spreading spyware, you know, maybe, but then the answer is, is use it somewhere else. Turn a virtual machine. In January 1982, the Commodore 64 personal computer was introduced with a 64K built-in memory for under $600. So to stay even with Commodore in memory and price, IBM will have to slash its price, quadruple its memory. Apple will also be faced with a sizable chore, and so will Atari. As Shearson American Express put it, the Commodore 64 could be the microcomputer industry's outstanding new product introduction since the birth of the industry. Jane, Natalia, come on! They're right behind us. They can't just jump off this building. No, but with a little help I called on. Hello, Agent Sovereign. The jetpacks you requested? Right on time, Elizabeth. I am not flying with one of those. I'll hold you, Jane. Relax. Tech is just a tool. It is time for tool of the week. So again, you know, a couple of those, those questions that I know were kind of critiques. Uh, I recognize they're very just simple asking. Everybody said they love the show, you know, no issues there. So uh, if you have more questions, if you have responses to that, please, you know, send them my way uh, for tool of the week. going to be real quick here. This is where I talk about a piece of software or, you know, hardware or product or something that I find useful or sometimes terrible. This is one I find kind of useful and it's called noisly N O S L I uh, or N O I S L I. And you can, uh, the, the website of course is in the show notes. You go to zog.ninja or sovereigntech.com to, you know, to find the show notes for episode 140. Woo! Episode 140, baby. Yeah. Uh, and there, you know, you, you, you can click on the link and what it is noisily is just, it, it's a sound generator that creates like uh you know, like you can click on it. It'll create sounds for productivity and it'll make like water running or uh, a breeze blowing or thunder or lightning, stuff like that. All these various things for whatever you're, you, you know, you're kind of wanting to feel it's just to create sort of a background noise and allow for either a relaxing or a productive environment. It's kind of like those CDs you used to get that had uh, you know, lightning storms in them uh, or whatever the case may be. I love it. I use it for when I'm either coding or, you know, working on a, a in whatever fashion I happen to be working, doing emails or something. Uh, I really, really like it. So check it out, Noisly. You can just use it through the website. You don't have to use the extension. Uh, I think it's pretty cool. I'll be back with more. In the third age of mankind, 
an age plagued by an evil empire that seeks to destroy humanity. It is our last, best hope for peace. It is Babylon 5. All fighter squadrons launched. Return fire. Freedom! Watch Babylon 5. Babylon 5 is available for download on your favorite torrent site. See it now to experience the greatest show in television history. Babylon 5. This is James Smith, formerly of WASP News, now an anarchist. And I want to introduce you to Brian Sovereign, former agent of... I have little time. You need to know what's going on. The government is lying to you. Corporations are lying to you. Even is lying to you. They're trying to centralize everything. Trust yourselves. Your computer is your only country. Coexist and learn all that you can. Hack the planet! Hack that. Woo! Hack that planet, baby! Hack Ashley Madison! Whoa, uh, hey, I, I'm, I'm just saying that's what happened. And I actually, I want to talk about that uh, because, and I've got a couple stories. I'd love to be able to get through both of them. They're, they're both relatively short and then kind of talk about it more. Now I talked about the Ashley Madison hack when it occurred in the first place. And of course I said, look, you know, the only reason this is actually an issue is because social conservative uh, conservatism is so dominant in at least American society, though I would argue, you know, largely throughout the world. So, but there's been some, you know, there's been some more news that has built up over time and I want to give it a little more attention here. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm going to start reading here actually from PC magazine. Of course, this is by the, the great John C. Dvorak, and then maybe I'll get into another article. So here we go. The Ashley Madison hack is arguably a bigger story than even this week's stock market massacre. Of course, referencing uh, what happened Monday where the Dow dropped, you know, a ridiculous amount of points. Of course, within the next 48 hours, it was back up. No problem. I mean, went skyrocketed back up a hundred, you know, a few hundred points. And so, you know, I don't somehow, uh, if that was an apocalypse, I don't think it was a big deal. Um, but these types of sites, reading on, have been around for years. In fact, a chapter in my 2003 book, Online the Book, covered the then-emerging phenomenon of online dating. Dating sites vary in style and marketing. At one end of the scale are the modern versions of what used to be called uh, computer dating in the 1970s. They included lengthy profiles and an algorithm that matches people based on likes and dislikes. In general, these sites are for people who are serious, very serious about finding a mate. The second tier are these Ashley Madison type sites, which promise to match people with those who want nothing more than to jump in the sack at the drop of a hat. These sites typically have a male to female ratio of 10 to 1 conservatively. The odds of getting a date are even worse. What our researcher discovered in 2003 was that you sign up for these operations and then get inundated with messages from women who are just itching to meet you. But you must pay for more information. And surprise, once you join, you never hear from anyone ever again. Similarly, I never saw the database of Ashley Madison quote-unquote customers as anything but a database of suckers who, could, who should be defined in the end as victims or dummies. Uh, online, the book did not delve into the newer third tier of dating apps like Tinder, which combines a, combines a simple hot or not mechanism with hookups. This is actually a genius idea and seems like the most ef efficient way to set up casual encounters. But no one ever over 40 believes these hookups are as rampant as advertised. Millennials claim otherwise, but they are prone to exaggeration. Fact. 
Today's world is so fast-paced and technology-oriented that people meet online more and more. Almost everyone I ask seems to have met somehow online. This is interesting because in the 90s, the media was all too eager to highlight horror stories about innocent girls being murdered by men they met in chat rooms. Of course, the realities were never discussed, like how most uh, quote-unquote hot aerobic instructors in a chat room were actually 14-year-old boys. Or how the young girls were really old women. Or how most of the men who claimed to be successful were living in their parents' basement. This would have added some humor to these horrifying news reports. Still, people do meet up online, but they meet up else everywhere. Uh, the internet is just a new channel. Let's not fool ourselves and think there is any new magic here. Meanwhile, here's a message to the men who read this column. Note that there are incredibly few women, quote unquote, nearby looking to have an affair just for the sake of it. Even if there were such women desiring affairs, it would almost certainly not be with you. How dumb can you be? Exactly why the FTC has allowed this false advertising by sites like Ashley Madison to go on for so long is the bigger mystery. So I thought that <laughs> John C. Dvorak has, you know, has a very unique writing style. And I thought that that actually kind of, you know, was a bit of a reality check uh, on what's going on with Ashley Madison. Uh, but now I want to read a second article and then I want to talk some more. And this actually comes from a, a former guest on Sovereign Tech, uh, a woman I really have a, you know, a lot of respect and appreciation for. I think she does tremendous work. And that is Kathy Reisenwitz uh, and her website, sexinthestate.com. Boy, what a great name. <laughs> uh, you can check that out there. But she did a write-up on Medium that I thought was interesting. Uh, and I want to talk about that too. So let's read it. Ashley Madison, internet privacy is a farce and that's a good thing. Woo, talk about a, 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 you know, a grabbing title if you don't want it public don't put it on the internet remember when people used to say that people stopped believing it but it never stopped being true people said it before the dandruff of the internet became its hottest commodity companies learned how to spin data into gold and give us a cut all they needed was more data first they learned how to track everything we do online then they gave us more to do they stored our photos and videos they gave us games they gave us discounts they gave us uh reasons to click share like Tweet, blog post, download, integrate, and check in. Most importantly, they reached across geography to connect us to each other, and all in exchange for information we couldn't do anything with otherwise. Advertisers were delighted to go from shoving their wares in the face of everyone who turned on the evening news to 15 to 28 year olds who are fully employed and love manga. Advertisers are why you can share a video of your daughter's first steps with her grandparents immediately and for free, but that data is not quote unquote safe. If someone wants your data from these companies, they'll get it. See Target, Sony, and now Ashley Madison. Anyone can be doxxed. Any service can be hacked. Any information can be free. Ashley Madison was never going to delete your data. It's valuable. You're powerless. They're saying There's a saying in Alcoholics Anonymous, you're only as sick as your secrets. A desire for privacy is born of fear and shame. It has no benefit other than coddling you into feeling protected from other people knowing the truth about you. But the truth will set you free. Did Ashley Madison users really think privacy was possible? There's another saying applicable, applicable here. It all comes out in the wash. Some of these people are afraid, but they've already endured the worst fate imaginable to preclude being loved for who you are because you refuse to live authentically. They bought a lie so they could live another one. To love someone is to know them and accept them for who they are. Perfection isn't required, but honesty is. Not that it's even an option, but even if we could have privacy, the cost would be love itself. We can never be loved as long as we live in private. Brands funded platforms we could use to share ourselves with interested people. Uh, we, can we can bond over Beyonce memes and struggles with anxiety immediately and for free. Besides being a chimera, 
Privacy shits on the greatest promise of the greatest innovation known to man. Privacy is a farce. That's a good thing. The only way to live in private is to do nothing, say nothing, be nothing. The only solution to a public world is to live so publicly that there's nothing to be afraid uh, or ashamed of, only things to connect over. Every moment you spend trying to cover the shit you're ashamed of is time you're not spending actually getting better. Every moment you, you spend trying to cover the shit you're afraid of people finding out is time you're not spending telling people to fuck off with their judgment. Fuck fear and shame. Do you out loud. Get better in public. Uh, people don't connect with perfect images. They connect with real people. We're on this earth to love and be loved. We can't do that if we're too ashamed and afraid to even show people who we are. You only think you have privacy because no one gives enough of a fuck about you to look for your data. Your stupid little secrets are the proverbial needle in the haystack. The best way to hide a needle in a haystack, turn it into hay. Now, okay, <laughs> I really, first off, I, I, I really appreciate Kathy's attitude. And in many ways, I actually agree. Uh, I actually agree with the notion that, you know, l doing you out loud, as she so eloquently put it, or so succinctly put it, uh, is a powerful way, uh, you know, to have real freedom is to just live it up, you know, and be out there. I think that's fantastic. Okay. Uh, but I don't think that. And, and, and actually, I do agree with her, too, that privacy is uh, near impossible. And if you put it up online, you know, and you're not doing any kind of end to end encryption and even then it's questionable, uh, you know, yeah, it's probably, you know, foolhardy. But I don't think it's foolhardy for a few reasons. Of course, there's the privacy aspect of the fact that, you know, it makes it it can make it expensive for these organizations to, you know, try and track you when you use end to end encryption of some type. OK, uh, and yeah, don't you know, there, there's a great saying in, in, in hacker spaces that is, you know, just just live like everything's compromised. Right. And maybe you want to go for that. But that's why I push when I talk about dApps, I push for, you know, anonymity, privacy and security. You have to have all three. And I think you can have some degree of anonymity, at least for now, you still can. And maybe even in our drone filled future, uh, there may be ways to still allow uh, still allow for that. None of this, none of this should replace, should take, uh, you know, should, should take more effort than you working on yourself. That's a fact. I, I totally agree with that sentiment. Okay. So there's a lot of attitude. I agree with her, uh, you know, here on, but I also think that there will always be a need. I mean, you're not always going to want to relate to everybody. You're not always going, especially, you know, let's say there was that perfect anarchist world. Okay, where where Ashley Madison wouldn't be a problem or whatever the case may be. Let's say there was that perfect anarchist world. Even there, in my opinion, you would not have one set of ideologies. You just wouldn't. Okay, and there would be, you know, not everybody's going to want everything out in the open. You're going to have a bunch of different stuff. And so you're not going to want to share things with perhaps, say, a Muslim community or something like that. I wouldn't. I'm not interested in doing that. You know, I mean, there, there's still a point. It doesn't you know, privacy. So this is the thing, like in, in after a fashion, I think privacy and anonymity and all that isn't necessarily about keeping a secret. OK, when you're in a world that communicates globally, you know, it's it may just be about making sure that it gets where it's supposed to. 
This is a very nuanced, you know, I mean, the human condition is so dynamic. This is a very nuanced, uh, you know, way of thinking. I mean, and I've talked about, and actually this used to be kind of my stance when I first started Sovereign Tech before the Snowden revelations and everything else. You know, my stance was, is that, hey, you know, if you want real security, have all your information plastered out there. That way, when one of the last really effective tools against people gets used, which is, you know, smearing them by saying they're uh, a child molester or something like that, you know, you can show the history of you where it's very clear. No, this person never did that. In fact, we knew where they were at all times, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you could do that like that. That is what, you know, living a very public life is one form of security. Of course, you know, using encryption and all of that and, you know, having, I don't, I don't want to say modesty, but having a lot of those things is another way. So there's multiple paths to go. This would one of the ways is what Kathy's talking about here. Okay. And, you know, this is, this is what I want people to get is that what happened with Ashley Madison, I mean, is totally a byproduct of shame. That's for sure. But it's not, it's not a problem with privacy. It's not a problem with security. It's not a problem with the internet, not in the abstract anyway. It's a problem with how we perceive relationships. It's a problem with how we perceive ourselves. That's what it's really about. And you know, I think I might just skip the climax this week and we'll just keep talking about this because there's a, there's a whole lot uh, more to say. So, I mean, you know, what's coming, I, one of the interesting things with the whole Ashley Madison thing, some of the, uh, the, the new information we found out is kind of like what John C. Dvorak was saying earlier is that there was only out of 40 million users, registered users, that doesn't mean they were active, but out of 40, about 40 million registered users, only 12,000 of them were women. You know, why is that? Uh, obviously there was a lot of men using this that were looking for this kind of connection. Uh, why, why weren't women looking for this kind of connection? Yes, that comes out of cultural shame, probably, you know, and I'm not saying that hookups and all this stuff is the most healthy thing that one can do. OK, I, you know, I'm not making that that case at all. I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of different lifestyles out there and you do what you do. OK, but what I'm saying is, is that, you know, a lot of the, the information we're finding out about Ashley Madison, it's just it's a huge cultural commentary. It's not even really a security issue. So, yeah, only 12,000, you know, were were women. And in fact, you know, I heard some tech journalists saying it's like, I can't believe Ashley Madison. You know what a horrendous company. They were actively anti-marriage. They're trying to end marriage. Well, (laughs) some could argue I'm actively anti-marriage. Okay, Uh, so, again, that has it's not about the company. It's about the culture has nothing to do with that. Okay, now they did have an app, which I thought was okay this was pretty despicable they had an app apparently ashley madison had an app called uh what's your wife they're they were developing it anyway it was called what's your wife worth and so and it was all about where people could you know put a monetary value on their wives i'm guessing it was some kind of like the gamification of ashley madison somehow uh i mean that that's that's insane and of course i mean the ceo was uh noel uh, biderman he's he's already stepped down i mean that's that that's that's done uh and done So, uh, you know, but I, I get it. Like, I understand what's going on here. In fact, you know, I was married at one point. Uh, I was married for seven years. And when I was trying to get out of that marriage, I mean, there was a lot of cultural shame of, oh, no, no, you, you know, you made a vow. You, you know, you did this, uh, you know, you need to stick to this contract, blah, blah, blah. Which, again, as I always say on Sovereign Tech, I mean, can you imagine putting, you know, a contract on love? That's that's fucking insane. OK, in my opinion, I hope it's in your opinion, too. Uh, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, I did whatever I could to get out of that marriage. And I started because of the system we lived in. I mean, I started having affairs for months. 
to try and get out, you know, because that way it could be said, oh, this guy practiced infidelity. Yeah, you better divorce him. Like, you don't have a choice. You got to end the shit. I mean, I, I was doing everything I could to wreck this stuff. Because you have this cultural norm, you have these cultural norms and mores that say, you know, you need to stick with this. You need to stay within this. You know, you need monogamy, blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying monogamy is a bad thing. It, it, I'm just saying it's choice. But people aren't being allowed to choose. And I dare say, now, I, one point I will disagree with Kathy on is that the, the Internet is not the greatest thing that man's ever come up with. <laughs> I mean, like mass communication, you could argue with, but or you, you could say, sure, that that's the greatest thing. And maybe the Internet's part of that. But the Internet, in many ways, as it is, is merely reinforcing a lot of this stuff. And it's not reinforcing it because it allows and it doesn't really allow for encryption. Honestly, it sucks at encryption. <laughs> OK, uh, you know, it's, it's allowing for the spreading of ideas, no doubt. But it's allowing for all kinds of, you know, different ideas. It's allowing for, you know, Christianity to spread for Islam to spread. I mean, you, you know, actually, there's going to be a dot Islam. Top level domain. You know, it allows for all of this stuff. Okay, it allows for a lot of freedom, too. There's so many people who said, well, I found out this information online and I became an atheist and then I became a libertarian and all this. And I think that's wonderful. That's fantastic. Okay. But the change has to happen on the culture, and that change has nothing to do with encryption technologies. That change has nothing to do with security, with really with security and privacy. And believe me, I'm not a private guy. I mean, in fact, I've got I've I've gotten phone calls that I I'm really confused as to what people who people think I am because I like to think I'm pretty open about stuff. Uh, but, but you know, I'm, I'm really open. I've even talked about hell. It used to be like my cover photos on various social media where it'd be this picture of this glass cube of a house. Okay. Because yeah, I mean, that's fine. You know, and I'm not like a voyeur or anything like that, but Hey, I mean, you know, if people saw me fucking woohoo, what the hell do I care? But we have this little problem called government. We have this other not so little problem called religion that's been with us for a very, very long time. And both of these things set the rules in opposition to, you know, to, to the human condition. That's the problem. Like Dvorak showed the Ashley Madison thing. It's not new. It's been around for decades. In fact, before it was computer dating, it was, you know, mail order stuff. And that had nothing to do, uh, you know, with, with people wanting to, to, to really, you know, keep secrets uh, in all of this. And there's, you know, there's some more concerning stuff that came out of this. Uh, I mean, look, apparently a police officer, I forget exactly where, but he was ousted by uh, a strangely independent list that no one else that has downloaded the data has this list. But he was ousted by copblock.org. Okay, uh, by and and they actually a demo demo Freeman of copblock.org, who is a person I know very well. Uh, you know, he said, look, I mean, this 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 police officer committed suicide after he was ousted and people couldn't believe it. You know what? What, what happened is copblock.org to blame. No. It's this entire culture. And in fact, I mean, there's there's so much up in the air about that. Uh, you know, was this, was this guy depressed? I mean, there, there was like, yeah, he was really stressed at his job and all this stuff. Yeah. The problem is this domination fucking system. Okay. Yeah. I wish people could be open about all this stuff. I really want it to happen. Um, and if, you know, and certainly doing it all in secret, I don't think is healthy. I'll give you that. 
Okay, but that again, that's not a blanket statement against encryption. I agree. We need to be open about our feelings, but that doesn't mean that the, you know, that the alphabet slash Google or the NSA or the CIA needs to see everything we say. Those two don't equate. We need to be open with each other. We need to connect with each other locally. Be far more open, you know, within our Dunbar number and with our actual sphere of influences. And yes, be very, very open there and be very connected there. Okay. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that, you know, when you go from, uh, I don't know, when you go from New Hampshire to New York, that when you're suddenly in New York, you need to be, you know, dropping your feelings all over the place. In fact, dropping, you know, everything you've got about you, you know, your deep emotions or what's going on for you, that may be crossing someone's boundaries. That may be crossing. Yeah, I mean, who wants to deal with that? You know, just like online, I don't want to see. I really look. I don't want to see pictures of people getting blown up by bombs. I've seen it enough in my life already, personally, firsthand. I don't need to see it anymore. That stuff. I want a wall that says I can't see that, and I don't want to converse with people that talk about wanting to do very violent things. And there's a lot of them. And yes, I would like my communications not to be seen by those people. It's really important to me that I don't have to worry about them seeing what's going on. I mean, because all of that. Yeah, I mean, it's a cultural shift that has to happen. Look, if the Ashley Madison release, I don't I am not interested in people dying. People that know me, I have two rules. You do what you say you're going to do and nobody dies. Or, you know, just don't engage in killing. So obviously I don't support that kind of thing happening, but if this is opening up the cracks in, you know, our conservative culture and all this, well, good. I don't want people dying over it, committing suicide or whatever else, but yes, let's highlight, let's show, you know, I've talked about this. I mean, like when, when, uh, when teachers, you know, the, uh, a student gets a hand, uh, gets a hold of uh, an iPad, perhaps that the teacher was logged into with their account and suddenly they got their access to their iCloud photos and oh shit, you know, Miss Needleman, she, uh, woo boy, what, what's all these nude pictures? Why is this guy, you know, doing whatever? Look, I, I mean, I'm not saying that the kid's ready to see that sort of thing, but I appreciate the fact that we get to see that, look, everybody's a bit of a freak because we all have these, you know, instincts and desires and all this stuff. And let's just be open about them. And that's fine. Be open about them. But that doesn't mean they need to be plastered on billboards necessarily. You know, I'm, I mean, me, I, Totally. I'm a naturist. I'm a nudist. You know, I mean, like like nudism, naturism. I, I fully support those sorts of things. I think that's wonderful, uh, you know, to just let the, you know, free the nibble, blah, 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 you know, whatever. Whatever's actually behind all that. Look, in the end, I appreciate the idea. I'd be happy in a world where, you know, big, small, you know, skinny, obese, whatever, are walking around completely nude. That's to all of that is totally OK with me. That's fine and dandy. OK, but the culture has to, you know, really has to change to be able to accept that kind of lifestyle and things that help bring all that to light and allow that to go forward. Fantastic. But none of that is a complete write off of, you know, again, of encryption and privacy. Now, if anything, Ashley Madison shows the cracks of say it was something important, not not about affairs and all this stuff like Ashley Madison, you know, would it would uh, engender and empower, apparently. Um, but let's say it was about, you know, really life changing, like trying to bring down a, a tyrannical government. Of course, all governments are tyrannical. 
Let's say it was something like that. It shows that, look, the Internet cannot be trusted to help with those goals. So some of the very good things that the Internet supposedly does, it can't do very well. And Ashley Madison highlights that. We need better encryption technologies. We need something better than the Internet. That's really what Ashley Madison says, you know, very much in the end, along with the fact that, boy, we are in a society that just does not appreciate the human condition at all in our desires and needs. So anyway, that's that. Didn't uh, didn't get to a climax this week, but that's fine. Uh, if you appreciate the show, please please feel free to donate. Carpe Lucas! Woo! I'll see you on the other side. just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com. That's S-O-V-R-Y-N Tech.com. And connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love. And love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to the evolution.